Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello once again, everybody. And thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, February 16th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'm joined today by Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We'll talk some NHL. We'll talk some golf. We'll talk some NASCAR here. On today's show, three markets that probably don't get a lot of run out there in this space, but we'll be discussing them on today's podcast. Over at ATS.io, all the sports that are in action get a lot of run over there, so make sure you head on over there. Check out picks and predictions across college basketball, the NHL, and the NBA. My MLB betting guide will be released here in about nine days' time, posting individual previews and futures articles over at ATS.io. It will be in a PDF as well, and then hoping to put together some kind of flipbook, ebook type thing for you to check out, uh, depending on how much advanced time I have uh, when I get all of my edits done and all of that. So trying to find a lot of creative ways to get that 2021 MLB betting guide out to you, and that should come your way here in about nine days from today. Make sure you download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Full article integration from ATS.io, but it's also a bet tracker. It's also an odd screen, and you've got access to a statistical database with a lot of helpful handicapping information so that you can break down the games, come to your conclusions. And if you're not sure, you maybe want some validation or you just want to subscribe to the premium subscription model in that ATS app, you do that for $9.99 a week or $19.99 a month. Once again, the ATS app in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, search against the spread, probably the best way to find that. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is Mr. Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And Brian, how's it going today, man? All right, Adam. How are you hanging in there with your uh, polar vortex? I've. We are going on, I think today is our 26th day below 40 degrees and we just added a foot of snow to the mix so uh it's it's a lot of fun i'm having a great morning how are you well i i've never seen this before but now vegas is kind of the tipping point of you know when the bomb's going to get dropped on you whatever it was two two weeks ago we had this big storm blow through here and that's the thing that ended up dumping up two feet in the, the nor'easter at the end, and the thing you're going through now come rolling through here on Saturday. It was crazy. In 15 minutes' notice, they go duck, and for about 45 minutes, it was 60 mile an hour winds. It was insane out here. Lost a lot of people, lost power, and and it got to you pretty quick, didn't it? Yeah, unfortunately, it did. It's funny. I actually saw um, you know some of the footage from Stadium Swim down at Circa. You know, the, the rooftop pool that they have there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just you know, the cabanas blowing over, the the chase lounges and the cushions blowing all around. And it looked like it came in in a hurry. Nobody seemed to expect it. So, there's some pretty gnarly footage that I saw there. And uh, Oh, it was nuts, man. You know, I, I don't know. I guess nicer weather is coming at some point, right? I mean, I, I think Well, so. we no, we've been the beneficiary of your cold stuff. I mean, it was in the 70s for like a week. And, it's, it's going to be in the high 60s and 70s again, but it, it's like really 
really windy. So this this is a nut bar weather pattern, but it it always used to stop like the stuff would dip from the north west down into the midwest and come back up but now it seems like it's starting really way south coming through here and then coming at you i've never it's a weird weather pattern going on man yeah it's definitely those poor people in texas i mean what are they saying four million people without power and it's like five degrees down there that's not good no that's that's not good at all it's definitely not fun i know i saw in oklahoma some casinos have closed in order to kind of spare the power grid a little bit uh, definitely insane. And, you know, there were tornadoes in Georgia last night and, uh, you well, know, they that- canceled, they canceled the, na- the national Dallas game. And I'm going, Oh, here we go again. Really? Another COVID. It wasn't the COVID. It was the weather. They, they shut the canceled the game last night because of weather and hockey. Yeah. They already canceled tonight's game too, between Nashville and Dallas. So a couple more that the stars have to make up after Yeesh. having that COVID situation early on in the year where they're already going to probably be playing, Shit, they may have to play three, four days in a row to fit all their games in here at the back end of the schedule. So it's rapidly approaching that at the end of the day, some teams are going to be coming up short, and it's going to be points percentage, and somebody's going to be in the outside looking in and go, "You're kidding, right? We went through all this, and then you you come up with some goofball gimmick to determine who makes the playoffs." Well, speaking of that, let's, let's take a look at what happened last night because there were some interesting developments, to say the least. A lot of high-scoring games last night, several games flying over the total. The massive collapse from the Toronto Maple Leafs in the third period, that's something getting a lot of run as Ottawa gets a rare victory. But, Brian, it sort of seems like it's kind of feast or famine. Like, we're getting games that have 9, 10, 11 goals or games that are ending, you know, one nothing or 2-1 to one, pretty much all, all across the board. Well, I mean, that happens all the time, to be honest. I mean, I think, you know, in a normal year, uh, that was a, a night where basically every game was, you know, a power outage, pardon the top of the timely pun. But then there were a couple of games that, that started like they were going to be overs. The Chicago-Detroit game looked like it was going to be a track meet, and it slowed down. Uh, the Sabres-Islanders game started out like it was going to be a track meet, and then it slowed down. But some of them just kept on going. And then, yeah, the, the Leafs thing, you know, I mean, where are they going? They're atop the North Division. They're going to be fine. But it would be interesting to watch how they react to spitting the bit like that because, you know, they're taking a lot of heat for that. You know, something I was kind of looking at, and, and maybe I think it's a good time to bring this up, Columbus. They gave up seven last night to Carolina. And, and this is a Columbus team that, you know, they were never all that great offensively, but they were a very stingy defensive team. You know, we saw that, of course, in their playoff run a couple of years ago. We saw that last year in the bubble where you know, they played very well defensively and you know, got themselves into a decent position against Tampa Bay, especially in that first marathon overtime game. Everything is different for Columbus this year. You know, the goaltending really hasn't been great, but a lot of it has been the play in front of the goaltenders. Jones and Wierenski are both having pretty bad seasons. Uh, you know, obviously they lost Pierre-Luc Dubois with that whole very public situation where he got traded. Line A comes over. He finds himself getting benched in his first or second game. The Blue Jackets look like an absolute mess right now. And, you know, I think it's kind of interesting. We've sort of talked about this already where, you know, when you see these teams that are not playing particularly well, they don't have the luxury of having time to figure it out. They need to flip the switch very, very quickly. Otherwise, they wind up getting buried. 
And some of these teams that are off to bad starts that simply aren't playing very well, I kind of worry about them long-term here because I don't know how much you can adjust with the condensed schedule, minimal time off, and then, of course, just you know, wondering how invested and engaged some of these players actually are. Well, I mean, the Columbus thing, you know, just look at the defensive core. I mean, here, you want to go inside that game last night. You know, they give up seven goals. Well, Seth Jones, nobody's arguing what a great player Seth Jones is. Well, how great is he? He played 25-47 last night, and he was plus two. And then you go to the rest of the core. Delgado minus one, uh, Kukin minus three, Peak minus two, Savard minus three. So the, the only solution to the problem is to play Jones 50 minutes a game. Yeah, and, and obviously, I mean, that's, you know, certainly not a possibility. So <laughs> I, I've seen some things here, too, and, and you kind of start wondering about this a little bit, where you know, the teams had that adversity last year with the season abruptly stopping, and then they go into the bubble and, and all of that. And, you know, I've kind of seen some things, sort of some people kind of saying, look, you know, Tortorella having his issues with Dubois, he's had his issues with guys in the past. He's very forthright and upfront. I mean, you, you kind of know where you stand with that guy. Line A comes in, he's got a problem right away. Is this just maybe a situation where things just kind of aren't working anymore? Well, that happens. I mean, guys, coaches get tuned out. I, I think it's easy to just drop the anvil on Tortorella. I mean, the guy's a coach of the year, whatever it was, three years ago. Then last year, you know, they had uh, they get rid of their goaltender and then they went for it at the trade deadline and let UFAs walk, and you're thinking, well, that's the end of it. And they were a mid-full last year. And believe me, Tampa Bay had a sigh of relief. When they were able to get by Columbus, the cup was theirs because Columbus is Tampa Bay's kryptonite. Um, no, it's whatever. I mean, right? I mean, if you look at it as of today, I mean, they're two points at a fourth. And you're the two points basically behind Chicago. You know, Tampa and Carolina, I think, are by a good margin the, the class of the Central. Florida's off to a good start. I mean, a really good start, 9-2-2. Two, and two. But until they prove it to me, because they, they always, they always if, if you use the term reg, uh, regression to the mean, they always do that. We'll see how sustainable this Florida thing is. And Chicago, I won't say it's smoke and mirrors, but Chicago really turned things around at 8-5-4, and four, but their goaltending's not good enough. So I'm not, I'm not worried about Columbus at all. At the end of the day, you know, I, I think Columbus will be at, at knee deep in the fight here. Uh, Dallas probably it'll be a fight between them and Dallas. I think for that fourth spot, and if, if Florida comes back to the pack, I'm I'm not panicking about Columbus. I think Tortorella is a great coach. All right, let's go over to the West Division for a few minutes here. Then, where Vegas is at the top, they've only played 13 games because they had a COVID situation themselves. The Blues and Coyotes just played a seventh straight game against each other because of cancellations, teams with COVID, so on and so forth. So they basically played a playoff series against each other over a couple weeks' time. Uh, but what are you seeing from the West? You know, where Colorado, a uh, team that stands out right now from a goal differential standpoint, but, you know, they've had a, a couple of tough luck losses. They had COVID themselves, stuff like that. What are you sort of seeing here from the West? Well, Vegas is racking up points. And they're 10-2-1. And, and they're just a really, really good hockey team. But that... Record, I think, is a little bit misleading. Uh, 
I, they could have lost five of those games, but they they find ways to win. So I mean, you 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 give a, a team like that credit for finding ways to win when they're not playing their best. But the bottom line is they played a boatload of games against Anaheim, Arizona, and the LA Kings. If you say that the three-headed monster in in the West is Vegas, St. Louis, and Colorado, Vegas has played the Blues twice, split with them on home ice, and they beat Colorado, who won nothing, who was coming off this ridiculously long layoff. So the Pacific Division is so weak, it's it's not even funny. It's the weakest division by a mile in terms of the, the depth of the division. The guys at the top are very good, but... Vegas just plodding along, racking up points. The big story is Flurry's playing lights out. And it was a two-headed monster where they were alternating with Leonard, and clearly they believe Leonard's their guy of the future, and Flurry is making them think long and hard about that now because it's not even close who's been the better goalie. Well, that's such an interesting dynamic, too, because, you know, I think Flurry, credit to him, he took it all in stride. You know, he's still kind of been there to be uh, the face of the franchise in a lot of different ways and then comes out with a vengeance this year and, you know, winds up playing really, really well here so far. Again, we'll see if it continues, but that's something that you talked about very early on in the process here is that with this condensed schedule, you know, you're going to need contributions from your backup goaltender. And then the fact that Vegas has got – Two very capable guys when a lot of teams out there have, you know, basically zero capable guys so far this season. It really does give them a leg up. So have you looked at the futures market at all? Or are you kind of, you know, starting to formulate any thoughts on that or not really? No, because, you know, at the end of the day, when you when you get in, all that matters is get in. You know, I mean, that's the NHL in a nutshell. An eight seed can win the cup. So the future market is not going to change that much. I mean, it, 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 where you'll find value, and I hate that word, but it's basically some team that happens to be like five points out of fourth now in the division, not instead of five points out of eighth in the conference. And that, that's when someone may go up to 20, 25 to one that you think's capable of doing something. That was what happened with the Islanders last year. And then the Islanders got hot, got back in it got into the bubble and the Islanders were a real threat to win the whole thing. So, but from the futures thing, you know, the numbers are the numbers. Now there's a, there's a, even though it's a truncated schedule, it's a shortened season. You know, there's an eternity to go in terms of who, who's going to peak at the right time. I mean, that, that's, that's what it is when you get to the playoffs. So as we take a look at tonight, one thing I do want to mention here, Brian and I have been talking about this for a while now, the home team win percentage is pretty steadily going down. It's now at 54.8%. When we first started talking, it was up in the upper 60s, low 70s, I think. So that is something that has leveled off uh, you know, pretty substantially here over the last th- two, two and a half, three weeks or so since we first started talking about this. The other thing is that teams coming off of long rest. Now, these teams were six and one with five or more days rest going into last weekend but both the Capitals and the Avalanche lost. Sabres lost last night. So now teams coming off of five or more days rest, six and four. And in this COVID season, five or more days rest means either you had COVID or teams that you were supposed to play against wound up with COVID and you had games taken off the board. So last night we saw Buffalo not played particularly well against the Islanders. They lose that game three to one. Tonight, Minnesota 
comes off of an elongated COVID pause and they're laying a price on the road at Los Angeles. Yeah, no, it's funny because we were trying to wrap our head around why is that happening? Because the NHL actually changed the rules about three years ago when they implemented the bye week and the teams that were coming off the bye playing teams that had a game under their belt after they'd come off the bye, the team that had a game under their belt or had been playing was like 14 and two. So they changed the rules for the most part. The schedule maker did the best thing it could do in terms of trying to get both teams coming off a bye and that leveled the playing field out. And we're sitting there shaking our head going, why is this happening? Because the teams that were coming off the shelf were winning these games left and right early in the season going, it's hard to figure out why because it's relatively early in the season and everybody's still pretty fresh and not all that beat up. And then, like you just alluded to, the last batch of games, albeit Colorado really came at Vegas in the third period of that game. They lost one nothing. Flurry played good. The Sabres last night, you, you can take that one with a grain of salt because, yeah, they came back and uh, off, off the lengthy layoff, but they came back and they didn't have their entire team. They were missing three of their top four defensemen in the game. Montour, Ristolainen, and McCabe did not play in the game. So it was basically the forwards were the Sabres, but the defensemen were Rochester. So that one is almost you throw it out, and the Sabres didn't even get a shot on goal in the third period, and they hit a wall, and, and but they were just getting killed down low because they didn't have their NHL defensemen playing in the game. So all these things are unique. I mean, they're all snowflakes, right? So what do you think about Minnesota tonight coming off the – off the long layoff well you and i were talking before we went on the air the one thing about them they are just hideous right now on the power play but minnesota was one of these teams last year that was a sneaky over team and the back third of the season was just printing money on minnesota going over the total they always made their totals five and a half they kept going over the total in fact before the break uh they'd gone over three of the last four they're they're this is a weird one. You know, again, they're coming off the shelf. But when when they play with L.A., generally they're high-scoring games. First two games of the year, Minnesota at L.A., 1-4-3 both games. So, you know, they're giving you five and a half. I mean, yes, there's a lot of unknowns because they're coming off the shelf. But generally speaking, this matchup has been higher scoring. And, and honestly, the one thing that has been working – and look at look at last night. We started a lot of new series last night. You know, it's a brand new week and a lot of new series. And I don't know, I don't know what the numbers was, how many games went over last night to how many games went under, but it was significantly shaded to the over. The first game of a series seems to be high scoring, and then the team that loses tightens things up and makes adjustment. And the second game tends to be lower scoring. And it's not, you know, across the board, but it's it's that works significantly more than it doesn't. Yeah, Minnesota three for 42 on the power play so far here this season. And, you know, obviously you wonder coming off of a long COVID pause, you know, how much they were actually able to do, how much they were actually able to work on different things, stuff like that. So you wonder about them laying a price tonight, but uh, Los Angeles just, you know, also not a very good team. By the way, teams with five or more days rest, five and five on totals here, five overs, five unders. So, not well, really the, anything the, actionable based on what we've seen so far, but it is a small sample size. Well, the five days rest or more means COVID. Right. All right. But but I will tell you this that the teams, and we talked about this on the podcast. Look at the schedule. 
teams that have like two or three day a three day break if they're off for three days it happens to fit in the schedule that means they're going to get a practice in and listen uh st louis was in here the first game the second game was was uh they're deciding do we play the second game and uh, so the, the game was uh, postponed and st louis practiced well they got a practice in out of nowhere and then they went to Anaheim and swept Anaheim. Arizona had three or four days off before they went and started the seven-game circus with St. Louis. They got two practices in. They went and lost the first game 4-3. They threw the sink at the Blues at the end of that game. And uh, they came up short. But then won the next three games in St. Louis. I'm, just, I'm telling you, the teams that are able to get a practice in, you know, in, in the course of a regular flow and rot- not COVID layoffs, but teams that get the ability with an extra day off to get a practice in, play on them. Because getting out practice in makes all the difference in the world. Because right now these guys are just showing up, going to the rink, and trusting what they know. But if the coach actually gets a day to practice with them, it really has reaped rewards. Trying to see, I'm trying to see if I can run a query on, on some of this stuff and kind of take a look at how some of these teams have done. It looks like teams that are on two to four days rest and are favored are 23 and 16 so far this year, 59%. But of course they are in that favorite role. So they are expected to win anyway. Uh, but again, we're dealing with, you know, pretty small sample sizes here still early on in the season. That is something that, you know, as the year goes along, I would expect teams that are able to get some practice and, you know, to certainly have a little bit of an advantage over those teams that don't. What about uh, what about Buffalo tonight? You know, coming in that back to back, where you, know, you just mentioned it that they were missing three defensemen last night. I don't know if those guys will be back here tonight or not. I believe they oh. will. Okay, they all they all practiced yesterday, uh, but they did not get off the list, so they okay. uh, for whatever reason they couldn't play. So, and the funny thing is, if anything, based on last night, this number's gone up, right? The Islanders are a dollar thirty favorite tonight. Well, I, I'm not saying for sure it's Buffalo, but I would say this to you. The Sabres, if they look at the standings and they say, are they going to get into the playoffs, be the top four in the East? They're literally going to be in a battle with the Islanders and I, I believe the Penguins when it's all said and done. There was an element of frustration last night from these guys, but they got to look at this. This is like a must-win game for them. They, they can't hear, sit here and get swept by the team they are ultimately going to be fighting with down the road. And there's a long way to go, and it's early in the season. But this is a huge game for this hockey team, and they know it. But they're going to get those three guys back. There's Three of their top four defensemen didn't play last night. Montour, well, Ristolainen is the guy. He plays 25 minutes, and he's out there in all the key moments, penalty kill, and the Islanders had success on the power play as Ristolainen, Montour, and McCabe are coming back tonight. Well, they're not household names, but they're, they're their top four defensemen. And this number's gone up. I mean, it, nowhere, in it, nowhere in here is this baked into the cake with a number. That's the beauty of hockey, is that so many things that should be baked into the cake in a number are just not. It's, a, oh, the Islanders are this in the standings, and the Sabres are this in the standings. Oh, and this is the way the game went last night. And who are the goalies? That's it. That's all they're putting into these numbers. No one's diving inside and in, in looking at all the lineups and the rosters. You know, they could tell you that. Believe me, they're not. So, you know, from a desperation, a scheduling situation, the need for the game, 
and three guys that are going to probably collectively play 20 plus minutes each in the game, it better be a different result for Buffalo or they got a big problem. Well, I didn't see Buffalo take some money yesterday. That line opened around minus 140, got bet down into the 118, 120 range. So this one opens a little bit lower than what last night's did. But, you know, we haven't seen as much of a movement on Buffalo for tonight's game. New Jersey also coming off the shelf tonight. They haven't played since playing the Sabres. They take on the Rangers tonight. Rangers, a $1.40 favorite in that one. Um, Oh, by the way, oh, oh, by the way, I would just say this to you. Back-to-back games, but back-to-back nights. So you're getting two different goaltenders, too. So the money comes in on the Islanders, and at least what we're, what's being reported is they're starting Sorokin, who's 0-2-1, and then Carter Hutton is supposed to play for the Sabres. So you're getting two different goaltenders, but the Islanders are throwing a kid in there that they just don't want to play because Varlamov did make a lot of big saves in that game last night. Uh I mean, there's a lot of things pointing to Buffalo. And I mean, I'll be throwing stuff against the wall if they, I, you got to give them a pass last night coming off the long break and with the, you know, an undermanned lineup. But there were a lot of bad things inside that game. But if they don't come out and play this like it's a playoff game, then something's really wrong. But, you know, again, the, 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 all the things are pointing to Buffalo, but the numbers going the Islanders' way. One thing we wanted to touch on here real quickly, and I know you're going to do some video uh, video for us over on our ATS YouTube page about this, but there are two outdoor games here this weekend, Vegas and Colorado on Saturday, Philadelphia and Boston on Sunday, assuming Philadelphia is okay because they've had some COVID issues of their own here. These two games are going to be played on the 18th fairway uh, of a golf course out in Lake Tahoe. So the outdoor games are always interesting. You know, I, I appreciate the novelty of them to some degree. At least this one, you know, should be played in cold weather, so the ice should be good and, and ready to go. But, you know, one of the thing that's pretty interesting to me is that Lake Tahoe's at some elevation, so that should probably benefit Colorado on Saturday. But then on Sunday with Philadelphia and Boston, you know, you're not really leaving the division. So, you know, Philadelphia and Boston got a long way to go for this game and then just have to go right back east anyway. Well, the one thing about outdoor games is, and I said that it's a license to print money, is play the under in outdoor games. Because the ice can only be so good. And if it's windy, it's hard to pass the puck. And sometimes guys are skating into the wind. Sometimes it's so bad that halfway through periods, they would switch sides. And generally speaking, in outdoor games, the only way you're scoring goals are off faceoffs or on the power play. And you usually look to play the games under. Then all of a sudden, a bunch of games started going over. I go, wow, man, what happened there? And you know what happened there? The games were played on days that were sunny. And the glare off the ice is hideous. And the goalies can't see the puck. Now, Saturday, it's it's, going to be warm. It's 39 degrees for the Vegas-Colorado game. And it looks like partly sunny partly cloudy, whichever one you want to go with. But Sunday, the forecast is calling for bright sunshine. I'd be looking over in the Philly-Boston game because the glare is a real issue for the goaltenders. And it's going to be 44 degrees. I mean, you know, that's, I mean it's, it's not frigid. Your hands aren't cold. I, I, I think these guys are going to be able to do a lot. I'm really, I'm really thinking the Sunday game goes over if it's bright sunshine. 
Well, that's a good angle. That's a good way of looking at it. And of course, we'll see what the forecast looks like as we get closer to those games. But like I said, Brian going to do a video for us on those outdoor games for our ATS YouTube page. Let's transition over to the golf side of things and, and talk about some warmer weather here in the Los Angeles area for the Genesis Invitational. Now, this was changed to an Invitational last year, which means smaller, a little bit more exclusive of a field, 120 players as opposed to 156 like what we typically see. And also with invitationals, the prize pool goes up. So you get Dustin Johnson this week at plus 550, John Rahm at 12 to 1, Rory 1250, Justin Thomas 14, Shawflay's here, Cantlay's here, Bryson DeChambeau is here, Finau, Kepka, Morikawa, Hovland. Basically anybody you could name in golf outside of Tiger Woods is on hand here at this tournament at Riviera Country Club. And Brian, you know, when I was looking through this field, uh, it's obviously a stacked field, so I think it's tough to make some price plays because you need those guys to beat a lot of world-class players to get the win. But when you look at this course, I think it's pretty interesting because distance isn't as important. It's kind of a narrower type of course being in an urban setting. A lot of strokes gained putting and strokes gained around the green. So wedge play, very important this week. Yeah, I mean, and Dustin Johnson is a you know, ridiculous favorite. He's won here in the past. He's top 10 in nine of his last 12 tournaments worldwide. He's just, he's playing great golf. So, you know, he'll be part of the equation. But man alive, I mean, this is a stacked field. This is like a WGC event. It really is. And you, know, you could land on a bunch of guys in here. Uh, I would, for, for price plays, I will tell you, he's going to win, I do believe, this year. And the question is how soon. And then the question is when he wins, is he going to take off? But at 45 to one, I'd say he's today's, today's Xander Shoffley, where Shoffley's now 12 to one all the time. When Shoffley used to be the 40, 50 to one. And once they win, that, that price is gone forever, is Scotty Scheffler at 45 to one. He's always on the leaderboard. You know, it's a question of him kicking the door down. He's a guy who can go low. And, there are two other guys, you know, Charles Howell always plays here, plays well here. He always plays well at the Sony. So, you know, watch for Charles, Charles Howell, maybe play him in matchups. But if you wanted to go swinging for the fences and then reload on Friday, I mean, James Hahn is 125 to one. And in the fall, Hahn had three top tens. He had a three-shot lead at Phoenix. He had a three-shot lead. I mean, he was playing great on the front nine, which is the tougher of the sides. And he finds himself, when everybody was imploding behind him with a three-shot lead, he looked up at the scoreboard, had a three-shot lead, and it was just this weird shock to the system, and he hit it on the water, and he unraveled. Uh, then he missed the cut the next week because I believe that was a real shock to the system. But James Hahn's a former winner on this golf course, and he almost won two weeks ago. And he's 125-1, to one, so... I mean, he's absolutely going to be on, on one of my tickets. And the other guy who had a great weekend and has just been an ATM machine, uh, believe me, Kevin Streelman had a shot to win last week. He was way ahead and almost posted a number. The last year, Kevin Streelman's form is really good. He should not be 125 to 1. Yeah, I'm even seeing 150 out there at DraftKings. So some, some good prices there on Han uh, and Streelman. I'm not looking to go that big here with this tournament. I just think there are way too many world-class players. 
One I did like before he withdrew, I couldn't believe that Daniel Berger was 30 to one. I know that you don't want to come back on a guy after he wins, but this kid shot 26 straight rounds of par or better. I mean, he's just locked in right now, but did withdraw from this event. So obviously not able to look at Berger this week. Can't really blame him for that, you know, coming off of a win, having the wrist thing last year, so on and so forth. You talk about Scotty Scheffler and you talk about him being a guy that, you know, when he wins, he is priced, you know, in that Shoffley range or at least in the 20s, something like that. I don't know if I'm going to play him this week, but Will Zalatoris is 90 to one. And this is one of those guys too. I mean, he's been phenomenal, whether it's the Corn Ferry Tour or the PGA Tour. He's been exceptional in a lot of events. And this is a stacked field, but at 90 to one, this kid's going to win one. And when he does, you're not getting much value on him at all going forward. So Zalatoris might be a guy I look at at 90 to one. That would be the biggest price I'm looking at. I think Carlos Ortiz at 80 to one is a I looked pretty at him. good look here this week. I looked at Ortiz. He, he was, he, I did. He, he was a guy, current form is, is kind of part of the, the one. If you want an overlay, when, when you look at the, the guys up top, I mean, Kepka is coming off a win. Yeah. With a, you know, Kepka is coming off a win with a week off. Uh, in between at 22 to one this to me is like again i think this is the epitome of listen you you swing for the fence you hope you get you get get a bomber that's a contender heading into saturday and on friday night among the top 10 guys there that are all capable and you watch the first two rounds and maybe the guy got a bad break you know hit a sprinkler head and the ball went out of bounds or something stupid but but get a great player uh, at an overlaid price. I mean, Shoffley, five back going into Friday. Instead of 12 to one, he's going to be 25 to one. And that, you know, and then, you know, you need him to come out and shoot a 66 on Saturday and he's right back in it. And all of a sudden you get the Sunday and he's six to one. I mean, that's how you, that's how you play the game, right? I mean, you want to, you always want to get the best of the number. So in many instances, unless you're all in on a, on a low priced player on the front end, you know, that's the way to play. That's the way to bet golf. Carlos Ortiz, fourth two weeks ago, ninth here two years ago. So, you know, a guy that's in pretty good recent form. He's got pretty decent course form here, too, if, if that's kind of what you're into looking at. So, I liked Ortiz. I liked Zalatoris. Another guy that I like this week, and, and it is a short price, but I think he fits this course and fits what's been really important at this course the last few years really well, is Patrick Cantlay. And that's one, yeah. like, exactly what you just talked about, 16 to one, it's not a great price, but you know, he's a great putter. He's a great wedge player. I really like how his skill set fits this course. Maybe I don't take 16. Maybe I hope on Friday he's four shots back, you know, kind of pulls a Kepka from TPC Scottsdale, goes on a run and wins this thing. And maybe I get 25 to one or something like that. But Cantley is a guy I will have a piece of in matchups, probably take a pre tournament shot just to have something, but then kind of see where he goes from there. One other thing I want to let mention. Me, let me, let me throw ahead. one other one at you real quick. Now, you know, it's like you're being Dr. Phil here. Well, what's this guy's brain going to be like? But golf, you know, Dustin Johnson contends every week. The majority of these guys have a three- to five-week form cycle where they're contending. I got news for you. The way Sunday was unfolding and as solid as Berger was playing, the one guy that was there that had a real chance to beat him who just seemed – so comfortable in his own skin, and he was he was flag hunting. He was his short game was great. Was Nate Lashley, 
And he comes to 16. If he was not tied for the lead, he was only one back. But I think he may have been tied. He was tied. And he had a wedge in on 16 that hit like it hit a cart path and bounced over the back of the green. And it's a brutal pin placement. He had a chip by, missed the putt. It's bogey. He's only going to be a shot back. Then now he's livid. He misses. He, then he two putts two more times. He cost himself $500,000 on 16. But if you take that one, and then he birdied 18. If you take that one hole out, that tournament was between Berger and Nate Lashley. And Lashley is sitting here at 150 to one. Now, he could that could be such a punch to the gut that he doesn't recover. Or he comes in here so pissed off in good form. I mean, this guy should be 60 to one, not 150 to one. I'm even seeing a bigger price. I think DraftKings got 250 to one. So I mean, is that is that the craziest? Is that the craziest five bucks you ever spent? I don't think so. No, I I don't think so either. And and that's the thing too. You know, you take some of these big bomb shots. You know, it's five ten dollar wagers, something like that. You know, I mean, we're not talking about putting life changing money on these guys. So, you know, you you throw some long shots in there if you want to. Uh, Also, matchups. You know, matchups are a good thing to look at. Carlos Ortiz is in one with uh, Cameron Tringale. I, I like Ortiz in that one at minus 106. Uh, one other one, too. You, know, you can bet guys to make or miss the cut as well. And you know, I looked at a guy like Corey Connors to miss the cut this week. He's not in bad form by any means, but he's a guy that hits the ball a long way and has a lot of other issues with his game. He's not a very good putter. Good guy with his irons on approach, but this is a course where you know a lot of guys are going to hit greens. So to me, I looked at Connors and I thought, well, his skill set's not great for this tournament. Plus 195 to miss the cut. Not a bad look. So it's not even just picking out the winners. It's all the props and the matchups and all the other stuff that's available for these tournaments, Brian. I, I know we, we got to move on from this, but wait a minute. Real quick. I got one. That's, I, I'm like, are we at 30 to 1? No one's even talking about this guy. Morikawa's sitting at 30 to 1. And he's a California kid, isn't he? believe so yeah yeah uh it wouldn't shot watch out for morikawa among the among the top contenders there because because what he did for the first time and the first tournament he was so so but he was much better the second one you know he was over in dubai in in the tournament that dj won and i wouldn't sleep on morikawa going back to california and oh by the way he won his you he won his um he he won the um was it the pga in california yeah. yeah, don't don't sleep on uh, on Morikawa. There's this is a very strong field. Should be a lot of fun, I think, when Sunday rolls around. Should be a lot of things to keep an eye on uh, for the Genesis Invitational here, and you'll have a preview of this over on our ATS YouTube page as well. So, looking forward to that. Looking forward to some more thoughts from you on this golf tournament. Lastly, we finish up here on the NASCAR side of things, where uh, well, the Daytona 500 was certainly interesting over the weekend. Oh, it was great, and. I had the right strategy. I had the wrong guy. I mean, I had bombs all over the place because that's what restrictor plate racing is. And the first accident got me good. I had Newman, Kurt Busch, uh, Tyler Reddick was the guy I really wanted to see compete in the restrictor plate because he's a lunatic and he got wiped out in, in that accident. And you, you, you got to swing for the fence in, in restrictor plate racing. It's a great, it's an exciting finish cool to see a guy like that win but that's what restrictor plate racing is uh, you know if you're ever going to take a shot with a 101 shot it's in a restrictor because the cars on a mile and a half track my michael mcdowell 
he's going to be trying to stay on the lead lap on a mile and a half track. In restrictor plate racing, he's just sucking along in the draft with other cars, and then it's just a matter of, you know, who on the last two laps is in the top six or seven and happens to get pushed or be pushing a car at the right time. You know, you're not going to hear again from a Michael McDowell until possibly you get to Talladega. That's the beauty of the restrictor plates. This week, don't waste a lot of time on this. Three-horse race, I think. Elliot's a monster on road courses. Uh, Truex is an aggressive, hungry guy, good on road courses. And Blaney always has a great car, and something bad always happens to Blaney. But, but you know, Blaney got he got uh, taken out in the clash, which was on this road course, whatever it was, two weeks ago. It was between him and Elliot on the last lap. They banged and took each other out. It was kind of the same way the the Daytona was won. McDowell was running third. McDowell got the win. Kyle Busch was cruising along in third. And uh, the uh, they had, these two guys got into it. The, the one guy who was sneaky good, because that night I had, I was kicking myself. I was between Blaney and Bowman. And both Blaney and Bowman stopped with about 10 laps to go and got fresh tires on. And sure enough, on the restart, Blaney got the the edge on Bowman, and he was running up there. Uh, it got all the way up to second, and Bowman got shuffled back. And if he had another lap or two, he'd have been by Kyle Busch, and he'd have been the guy that would have won it. Bowman is sneaky good. Bowman's a sneaky player. I'd throw him in there because he ran good. He ran good on that road course. Uh, what, what do you see him at? I've uh, seen Bowman here at least at DraftKings at twenty eight to one for the O'Reilly Auto Parts 253. And that's a good price. Last year's race at Watkins Glen got moved to this road course. It was the Go Bowling 235. So that's the only data point we have outside of, you know, as you mentioned, the, the clash that we had uh, what a week ago today. Uh, so you got Elliott at plus 225, Truex plus 400, and then a handful of guys at 12 to 1. AJ Allmendinger, Ryan Blaney, Kurt, or uh, Kyle Bush, excuse me. Denny Hamlin, then you've got Harvick at 14, Logano at 16. It is really tough here to do anything other than look at Chase Elliott because he's so good on these. He won on this track last year. He's won the Roval back-to-back years at Charlotte. Uh, he won the 2019 race at Watkins Glen. Truex won at Sonoma in 2019. Uh, there was no Sonoma race last year. I believe there are seven road course races uh, this season on the NASCAR schedule. So, you, know, you would think that would bode pretty well for Chase Elliott, but we'll see what happens here. Well, oh, by the way, in that clash, Elliott started at the back of the pack. They, they, something happened. I think it was inspection or whatever. And, you know, it, it took them all night to get there. But lo and behold, it, it, Elliott, had, Elliott had the lead, and Blaney caught, caught up to him and passed him because he had the fresh tires. But then Elliott came back at him and and took Blaney out at the final turn. But Elliot, you know, not, not only was he right there, but what's lost in the, in the shuffle is how hard it is just to work your way through a field. And the yellows don't tighten the field up that much. But Elliot started at the back of the pack that night. So, honestly, it, maybe you, you could just saddle up and drop, drop the, you know, drop the anvil on Elliot and be done with it. I think so too. I mean, there were only four cautions in this road course race last year. So, you know, there's also that where it should be a pretty, pretty clean race. And if that's the case, it probably is Elliot. And also too, I mean, 
this is very Roval-like in that, you know, they use large parts of the Speedway track on this road course. So, mm-hmm. you know, Elliott's very good at Daytona to begin with, and then he's won the Roval twice at Charlotte. So, you know, obviously this is a kind of format that he's very comfortable with, and, and at plus 225 probably does win this race. There is one guy that I would consider at a long shot price, and that's Joey Logano at 16 to 1. Logano was second on the Roval last year. He's had a win in the past at Watkins Glen. He's had a few good finishes at Sonoma. He's an uber aggressive driver. He he would run his own grandma off the track if he could, if he thought he could win the race. So he's a guy kind of like an 18 to 1. He's not bad at Daytona. He's not, he's very good at Talladega. So, you know, kind of that restrictor plate racing style, he's pretty comfortable with. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. It's, it's really uh, Elliott and Logano, and, and otherwise, I, I don't see much else I like. Well, the one guy who literally will have a stone in his shoe, and he's a nut bar to begin with, like Logano certainly fits that. Kozlowski's in the same mold. Kozlowski's had some road course success in his career, and he was, you know, literally he was going to win that race. I mean, Logano came down and blocked him at the end, but Kozlowski had that thing set up perfectly. He timed it right. Logano said you know, Logano came down to block and took everybody out. McDowell won the race, but Kozlowski's the guy that right now is, you know, he's, he's stewing. I mean, he's going to be bumping everybody. He's, he's got, he's got a stone in issue. Watch out for Kozlowski too. And of course, as this week goes along, you know, we'll see more in the matchups. We'll see more in the group stuff, stuff like that. So really on Tuesday, it's kind of only looking at, you know, the outright winner lines, but there will be options for matchups, things of that sort. I know you talk about liking Bowman at 28 to one, well, maybe Bowman's in a matchup with, you know, a William Byron or a Kurt Busch or somebody like that. And maybe you take a piece of that instead of, you know, just loading up on that 28 to one. So lots or, of options. Or, for or, or fade ball. or fade Michael McDowell in any, any matchup you've ever seen for the next 10 years. Well, there you go. That's one way of looking at it. A lot of good stuff on today's show with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And tell us about your shows and all the stuff that you got going on, Brian. All right, bud. Yeah, no, we got the series channel 204 of the Sports Grid Radio Network, 2 to 4 Eastern on weekdays. Mr. Burke's going to join us today in hour number one. Uh, so we're there with you Monday through Friday, and then we do Vegas Hockey Online at KSHP.com. And we cover the NHL, the Golden Knights. We have a lot of fun. It's a fun hockey show if you like hockey. All kinds of videos. We do a, a hockey betting podcast I do with Cam Stewart, who's great fun. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, the hockey betting podcast.ca, um, which is good fun. And we dive into all the games and angles and just a lot of the stuff that Adam and I do. And we cover you know, a lot of the games individually, which is good fun. And all the stuff's available on my Twitter at Brian Blessing. And I'll be joining you on Sportsbook Radio today. Shorter segment for me than usual, but I'll be joining you at the bottom of the hour there in that uh, 2 p.m. Eastern time window. So looking forward to that. And always a lot of great fun with you on the show here, Brian. Adam, always a pleasure, bud, and we'll be uh, looking forward to seeing you in a few weeks. Absolutely, man. Take care. There you go. There's Brian Blessing, again, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline, Sirius XM 204 on that Sports Grid Radio Network, and then also KSHP.com for Vegas Hockey Hotline. Coming up on Wednesday, we'll chat some more college basketball, maybe some UFC, who knows, with Kiev O'Neill from the Odds Breakers. Uh, usually we focus on the Big Ten, but we'll see if we can expand on that for Wednesday's show. Thursday, Brad Powers will join us, and then we'll see what we've got in store for Friday as I keep working hard on that 2021 MLB betting guide. They'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you again tomorrow. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.